Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, fellow Creative Control listeners. My name is Mac Cameron. I live in Toronto, and I have been listening to Creative Control with Vish Khanna since episode 119 that featured all five members of one of my favorite bands, Constantine's. I listen backwards from there and then forwards, and I know it sounds, you know, over the top or cliche, but finding the show changed the course of my life. It inspired me to pursue a career in radio and to do what I can to support the arts in my community and across the country. So I give to Creative Control because I feel like I owe the show and Vish uh, for helping me figure out what the hell to do with my life. Beyond that, I give to Creative Control because I think independent media, especially insightful, entertaining, thoughtful, and thorough independent media is something that is worth paying for. What I appreciate about Creative Control is Vish's ability to treat Canadian artists, or any artist for that matter, with the seriousness and appreciation he would any other artist. His excellent rapport with people like Steve Albini and the members of Fugazi and Stephen Malcolmus and others have earned him international appreciation. However, it's his trove of interviews with what I consider to be the most exciting generation of Canadian musicians, conducted out of genuine passion and interest, that makes this show so special. I think it is an archive of some really exciting music that is way, way underreported on and appreciated. That's why I contribute to Creative Control with Vishkana, and I hope you will do the same. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol today. I'm Visha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. Marcus Floats is a musician and soundscape artist currently based in Montreal, Quebec. Originally from Calgary, where many knew him by his given name, Marcus Lake, Floats is an electroacoustics graduate from Concordia University. Following stints in bands that may be called punk, post-punk, and Afrofuturist, he has taken to creating more drone-oriented or synthesized sounds, 
with a laptop computer. His latest release is called Third Album, which is out now via Constellation Records, and it prompted Marcus and I to have an interesting conversation about Montreal, Quebec, and Calgary, Alberta, how he's managing life during a pandemic, and why it may not have altered his daily plans all that much in some ways, his musical history and practice, the tone, track names, and artwork on Third Album, future plans, and much more. Part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control and Massey Hall's concert film series live at masseyhall.com where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free including performances by past podcast guests like Calgary's Chad Van Galen. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 543rd episode of Creative Control, featuring the wondrous Marcus Floats with her host, me, Vishkana. Hi, Marcus. How's it going? It's going uh, pretty good. Can't complain. How are you? I'm all right. I'm in uh, Edmonton. Where are you? I am in Montreal. Montreal. Oh, my goodness. I. Uh, that is... You are in, I guess, the population with the most cases of the COVID-19 uh, situation. Is that right? I believe that's correct. I, I'm pretty sure that's correct, yeah. As of as of uh, forever, <laughs> we have a lot. I, I think I think uh, technically it's mostly still in uh, all ages, not all ages, uh, old folks' homes. But yeah, we do have the highest number. I like that you reverted to an all ages show as being the epicenter. Rather, than <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I, I've been I've been to be like straight up. I've been nervous about this interview, so like I. Uh, Oh, a little bit of research and like, oh yeah, this, I don't know. I'm a, I, I, I feel like I don't interview well, but I'm, I'm doing it. What, Do what is that, that scares you? <laughs> Why were you nervous about this particular interview? Was it this particular interview, or just because it was an interview, you were nervous? Uh, yeah, just generally, I'm nervous about interviews. Why is that? Are you nerv- Are you nervous having a normal conversation with someone? Uh. <laughs> Not really. I don't know. I feel like there's a that sort of like permanence in an interview. Like this is just gonna be on the internet forever. The fallacy of permanence with the internet is that there's you're kind of suggesting that there's uh, this might be the only content that might be out there on any given day. And as we know, 
there's no way that's possible. So even though, you know, we're going to put our time and effort into this conversation, there's going to be lots of conversations and lots of things happening. So it's permanent, but it's also fleeting, if that makes any sense. Like people will listen to it when it's out and then they'll move on. Does that, because there's so much other stuff to move on to. Does that make any sense? No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a very reassuring thing for an interviewer to say. <laughs> well, I also, uh, try to treat these as conversations more than, uh, full on interviews. You are the subject of this conversation. You are the main subject, not, not me. So there's, there's a little bit of pressure, but I mean, have you had bad interview experiences? Let me just ask you that. Uh, I don't think so. I think mostly I'm just worried that I will say something that I regret. Well, I mean, who? Uh, what day do you wake up and not say something you regret? I do that every day. I, it doesn't matter if it's recorded or not. It's true. It's true. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're really doing a great job of uh, assuaging my fears. <laughs> well, you seem uh, eloquent, articulate. Uh, I enjoy your music very much. I've been listening to uh, Third Album uh, quite a bit. And uh, so I feel like you uh, should have all the confidence in the world that things are going to go just fine, at least from your end of things. If anyone's going to bungle this, I mean, I can speak for with some sense of history. It's going to be me, not you, as the guest. I'm going to screw it up. Well, well, uh, I guess, I guess we'll uh, we'll we'll see about that. We'll see, we'll see, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Anyway, so sorry. Uh, what is I, I've been asking because we're living through this thing together, uh, all of us. Uh, I have been asking people uh, who I speak to from around the world what the experience of living through the COVID-19 pandemic and the quarantining and the social distancing, what it's been like in their respective communities. So I, I have not spoken to anyone in Montreal uh, since this started. So I, I must ask, uh, I mean, you only know your own experience. You can't really maybe compare it to others. What is it mm-hmm. like? What is it like living in Montreal, in Quebec, which, as uh, we established earlier, in Canada, the province with the most cases, uh, the most, the highest mortality rate. It's very frightening. What is it like for you? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's completely bizarre and hard to really wrap your head around. But uh, for me, I'm pretty lucky because I basically just stayed at home all the time before this. So my own day-to-day activities weren't disrupted very much but it's also weird because like i live in park extension which is like one of the most densely populated neighborhoods in canada so it's just been i feel like it's gonna be a very hard experience for a lot of people yeah but for myself i'm i'm doing fine does this put your own behavior pre-pandemic into any kind of perspective was social distancing a far cry from how you lived before on any level? It wasn't a... F- it was like a medium cry. Hmm. It was like a... <laughs> I, I would probably see people like once or twice a week before this. This is a uh, this is a common response among some of the musician types, cultural types that I... Creative types that I've spoken with because I feel like... And I'll, I'll, I'll include myself in this cohort... I end up doing a lot of just solitary work uh, at computers, at desks, and I talk to lots of people, as you may know, doing an interview show. I do talk to a lot of people, 
but I don't often see a lot of people anymore. Uh, also, in my circumstance, we just moved from a city uh, in Ontario to one in Alberta, not knowing, and just like just ahead of this, or while it was happening, like in January we moved, so we don't have a lot of social, oh, wow. you know, circles here. And then this happened, and it yeah. all just froze. So it's a bit weird for me. Like it's weird for me personally on that level. And it sounds like I gather as a creative person yourself who mostly does things on your own, uh, that's what you would have, you might be spending a lot of time doing that, whether there was a pandemic or not. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I do miss like going to a show and seeing my friends or like, you know, eating at a restaurant. But I feel like, uh, those were, those were, those always seemed kind of like icing on the cake. Mm. And like my life was, completely functional without those things for for better or worse i don't know yeah but yeah it does seem like a i feel well suited to solitude so this is like uh a weird i i like i it's hard uh, i feel weird framing it as like any kind of positive yeah i know i'm with you so yeah so i won't but like i don't know i feel like there are some people who will come out of this. Oh no, I'm not even going to say that. I don't know. Well, so yeah, let me let me, <laughs> let me let me put it to you this way: Do you consider yourself to be someone who was uh, internet savvy, so to speak? I know that sounds ridiculous because uh, people of our generation, or mine anyway, and younger, have been kind of training for like for me in my case, like being on the internet in the mid '90s and just having it be second nature. And interacting with the world in that way, it feels like I've been training for this moment uh, for a long time, uh, where most mm -hmm. of our interactions are, you know, we're using these platforms and whatnot. Do you consider yourself sort of, were you ready for this on on that level? Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think, I think so. I, I feel like the hardest thing for me is that I never really got into... Uh, video calls or like that mm. that sort of face to face but not face to face sort of medium, and I still find it pretty uncomfortable. But like other than that, like I'm totally fine. Just yeah, chilling on the internet, you know, just running around, reading things on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> like that seems like a legitimate activity to me. I can't look at people in the face on the video conferencing. I can't figure out where to look. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, un I don't know. Like, there's been uh, this thing in Montreal called Club Quarantine, which is sort of like the the most Montreal thing possible. Like, every night. Is, is it every night? Well, on, on some regular basis, there's like a huge Zoom chat where people, there's like a DJ and people will <laughs> party in their living rooms. And it just feels like the most uncomfortable experience, but people are getting a lot out of it. So I don't know that it, it makes me feel like I'm not as good at the internet as I thought I was. Well, okay. So this sort of segues into something I wanted to ask you about in terms of the liner notes on this, on mm -hmm. this record of yours. Uh, there is a passage here from it's, it's sort of framed as a poem, I think. Um, and you can correct me if you like, but for people who haven't read this yet, here's what it says. Every song you hear is about yourself. Hearing is your relationship to the herd. 
Every song heard is about yourself. When you hear, you hear yourself. Hear yourself when you hear. Hear a mirror. Hear your reflection and hear everything in the mirror and hear the mirror itself. I was kind of thinking, Marcus, that these video conferences are kind of this form of self-agency. Like you, I end up, and I'm, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's some vanity there, but I end up kind of looking at myself talking sometimes as opposed to the person. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's because I don't know if I exist and, or, or if the video conference, <laughs> if that conversation is more for me than them, like I, it's a bit more confusing than real life. I've never thought of it this way, but there's kind of this like assertion mm-hmm. of self. And people talking over each other on video conferencing maybe more than they do on the phone and not knowing the social cue as to when to speak and, you know, or your mic is muted. Like, there's all these sort of phrases and terminology uh, that have come up, and a lot of it reminds me of our own sense of agency. I don't know if that makes any sense. But I read that. That's the what I read. By the way, this is a lovely – is it right to call it a poem? How would you describe Yeah, I think I – th- yeah, I'd call that a poem. I, I don't know. I was asked by the label to – write an artist statement and uh that's that's what came out of it so yeah it's a poem i firmly align myself with what you're saying here because as a parent i've had these same sort of realizations like these little children are little reflections of of me and my wife and mm-hmm. when we're angry at them about something we're kind of angry at ourselves yeah because they've learned they've learned how to conduct themselves or behave uh based on our behavior in so many ways. And so this idea of other people or other records or, you know, the way we things resonate with us is really just an extension of ourselves. So wh- where does that come from for you? Oh, man, where does that come from? Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, I did electroacoustics at Concordia, and part of that was learning about uh, Pauline, oh, God. Ol- uh, Oliveris? Pauline Oliveris. Yeah. yeah. And uh, just sort of that sort of, Total encompass, encompassing, encompassment yeah. of sound in your life. So when you're hearing something, I don't know. What was the question again? <laughs> well, I, I, it's, the question is just based on your poem and this notion that there are people who view such products, if you will, or or other people's um, expression as theirs. You know, the artist is just expressing themselves and it has nothing to do with me as the receiver. And my read on Mm -hmm. what you're saying is the way you interact with someone else's expression is a sense of, and and when it resonates with you in particular, whether it's a negative feeling or a positive feeling, it's, you're kind of, it's saying something about you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think what I was trying to get at is kind of that idea about your kids. Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. when you don't like something, you don't like it for a reason, and that reason is yourself. Yes. Like, when you say, like, oh, I don't like country music, it's because it's not because country music is bad. It's because you didn't grow up, grow up in a scenario in which it was given value yeah, or, yeah. like, portrayed as having value. So, yeah. That it 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 makes a lot of sense to me, and I feel like that's something that I've been trying to work on with myself mm-hmm. <laughs> and through my music. 
I don't know. Is there is there a way that that it's a philosophy almost like the poem is a kind of existential philosophical poem and you're making music that is in the realm of drone i guess uh, is that how would you describe what you're making exactly i've been trying to describe it as electronic music but i that it it definitely includes drone okay and yeah so I guess I'm just trying to find the correlation between uh, your artistic and musical expression. And I guess in a way, this, this poem, this poem is a, is a textual expression of your practice or your approach to your practice uh, and your practice is word, wordless. Um, yeah. So you're obviously trying to, in a sense, I don't know if you're trying to do this, but your poem kind of, contextualizes this album it contextualizes your practice on some level so what are we learning in in a sense also i think as much as it's sort of a helpful uh poem for people who are trying to relate to maybe themselves i'm assuming your poem is saying something about yourself you so <laughs> the correlation between <laughs> the poem and the record can you articulate yeah. that? I mean, you've you've hinted at it, but what does the sound of third album say about you? As the poem suggests, the, the the poem suggests that every song you hear is about yourself. So, in making the song, what does that say about you? Hmm. I'm not sure if I can answer that. Uh, I feel like while I was making the album, there was definitely an image of a listener and I wanted to give something to them that would give them the time <laughs> they need to listen to it properly. If that makes sense, you know, yeah. like I, 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 I want people to like sit down and listen to this thing without doing anything else. So that, that does say something about me in that, that's how I prefer to engage with music. Where like, yeah. Well, let me let me let me try to ask a shorter version of that very long winded and rambling question that I just asked you. Okay. What has drawn What has drawn you to make this kind of music? What is this saying about you? And where does that interest sort of, if you can think on it, mm -hmm. where does your interest in this music emanate from? Hmm. <sighs> It's just like my entire life experience, which is, I don't know, a bit of, maybe a bit of a cop out answer, but like I, I was thinking about, or like I have been thinking about this, where it was like when I first started making music to go back to all ages, which I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, when I first started making music, there was just like <laughs> this community where like basically no matter what you were making, everyone after the show, everyone would be like, oh, that sounded great. And then there was just sort of like because of that relentless positivity people just kept getting weirder and weirder and i feel like that is very important and that's the kind of thing that has pushed me to this point so uh, yeah, I'm, not, I, I'm hmm. not sure if i'm answering this question effectively <laughs> well you're talking about uh community support which hmm. is interesting because you're you're couching it in terms of sort of unwavering community support almost uh uncritical I, I, there's a line in in the 
promotional or, or biographical information for this record where some of the polarities you're exploring, one among them are poptimism versus avant-gardism. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you're kind of getting to that. I've been in those communities. The, I am in those communities still, those grassroots communities where if your friend and your or, or extensions of your social circle are doing and making things, your instinct is to tell them it's great. Yeah. And that's interesting in itself because on some level it might be great, uh, the work. On others it might be that that's a stand-in for it's great that you're doing that. Um, yeah. It's great you're putting in the effort to to do that. Is that kind of what you're getting getting at there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm reminded like uh, my friend Anna Mae had this I, I was talking <laughs> to her <laughs> uh, and they came up with they had been given this compliment that was like it sounds like you're working through something about uh, about her music and that seemed like a really excellent compliment to give someone and I feel like there's just a certain amount of what am I getting at here uh, this is all like well I feel like you're talking a little bit about I mean for some people listening to this depending on where they're coming from I think they're going to relate to it in all sorts of ways like when you think about the indie rock communities uh, when your friends put a band together and play a show yeah if they're, if they're your friends you're going to be behind them no matter what yeah, and yeah. in my experience like I know you come from jazz and electroacoustic and improvisational uh, and electronic music circles uh, and that interesting kind of crossover of fascinating and challenging uh, realms. Mm. Challenging in that they're not aiming I, I, to I, do... S- I will, will interrupt you that I have played in indie rock bands as well. Like I've That's right. El Barber's... That's right. El Barber's Black Space, uh, Silver Dapple played in that band for like six years. Right. So so I I would say I I haven't played in as much uh improv I've done a little bit of that but like yeah I for some reason I don't know there's people like let's just say people like us I don't know you have we ever met? I don't think we've ever no. met. No. So I don't know you super well but just based on what we're discussing here and based on what you've conveyed into the world at least from what I've processed, I feel like we're coming from similar circles. And I think it's fascinating how receptive people like you and I are Mm. to both, let's call it jazz, for lack of a better term, an overarching term, jazz, and -hmm. and all of that, all of what that entails, which is basically everything, I think, uh, personally. Uh, Jazz and hardcore and indie rock, these are very open eared forms um and it says something about us like we i think we the freedom of all of that has really struck us as being this having these multiple entry points um and within those same circles there is a lot of enthusiastic support um yeah so that's that's interesting <laughs> i'm not sure what <laughs> i'm not sure what the what what my question is here, but is it fair to say that's you're coming from all of those realms and they're informing your own form of 
optimism, I suppose, or hope. Yeah, I, I think there's just, I think I just have like this fundamental belief that the weird thing that people want to do should be done. That like, there's like, there's one thing to start an indie rock band. There's another thing to start a band that sounds like you, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like there's a, an essential type of music that individuals are capable of making and the reaching for that goal is the most important thing in music making. Do you think that the inherent resistance to these forms plays mm -hmm. a plays a part in it? The fact that it always feels like the forms we're we're discussing seem to be if not fighting to be heard, but they seem to be a response to convention. Um, yeah. And I think that's an important, again, getting back to your poem, like I've been doing this show and then thinking about why I do what I do. I think about these things all the time. And, and these, this is a common denominator. Like most of the things I'm interested in are resisting convention and prove, mm -hmm. proving convention wrong. And that's, do you, do you have that? Is that within you? I think so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or like, I feel like, uh, is it, is convention the right word I'm looking for? Uh, well, when we talk about you, uh, somewhere in here, there's also the employment of oral abstract expressionism. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be people that are like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. And when, when I look at that term, it, I think it means it can be anything. Um, and so, <laughs> and, and again, in all these realms, I always like that I might go to a show or hear a record. And once things start, I'm more interested in something being anything than it being what I expect. Yeah. I fully agree with that. Like, I feel like over the years of seeing, like, thousands of bands, the ones that always stick out are the ones that are kind of bad, you know, like, kind of... Conven conventionally bad? Convention I'm going to go back... Yeah. yeah, conventionally bad. Yeah, I think that's where the word convention makes sense to me. It was like, like, one thing I'm thinking about is just, like, seeing this this guy just like by himself screaming at the top of his lungs with an acoustic guitar. And it was like screeching, difficult, unlistenable. And I just like, I, I still think about it, you know, and that seems much more important than seeing that really tight band hitting all the, hitting all the changes, you know? Yeah. Do you ever think about music in terms of would my parents or my parents-in-law, or some older person be into this or not? Because I've been thinking about that a little <laughs> bit. When I think about your record, for example, like I would never think, like it, there would be certain artists who I'd be like, hey, parents-in-law, you should check this out. I'm sh I think you would like it. Mm -hmm. your, your record would not be one of them. And... <laughs> And there's that resistance again, um, which I don't, that's, this is becoming vaguely a therapy psychological <laughs> session in terms of what our parents are like or whatever. But I feel like when we talk about convention, we're talking about authority and, 
and parts of our existence are rubbing up. There's friction between those things. And I feel yeah. like that's within what you're doing is like convention is authority. It's, it's what, it's what the general sense of what is right and wrong is. And a lot of the music that we've been describing and talking about flies in the face of that. Like you say, the, some of the greatest music you've probably seen is, would be deemed bad. Yeah. So there's something about, we're, we're always, I'm the same that way. Like I, I'd be more, that stuff is going to pull at my, uh, heartstrings or whatever more quickly than something safe, um, or something conventional. So I, I think that's swimming around in your expression as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like there's, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, well, here, here, for example, what does, in your mind, what does non-linear narrative composition mean in relation to what's going on on third album? What does that mean? What does it mean? For me, it just means that I'm less concerned about what happened before in the song than what will happen later in the song. And every part of the song works as a bridge, sort of like a moving bridge between what happened before and what will happen afterwards. Huh. Do you have a similar outlook on history and, you know, past, present, future? Are you more interested in going forward than thinking about what's happened before? Uh, I don't think so. No, I think the past is extremely important hmm. and and the present. Like, I feel like... Having an understanding of the past is what makes possible a constructive future. Well, yeah. And I mean, just given the context in which we're speaking, the rampant ahistoricism, like so quickly, like, <laughs> I mean, we have so many liars that we're dealing with who like, I didn't say that thing I said a month ago. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think it's very important to hold people to account and, and look at historical precedents. But it's fascinating to me that you would say, a song's history <laughs> or a piece of music history while it's happening is less interesting to me than what's about to happen. Like, that's just a fascinating outlook. Yeah. It's, it's very, I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird thing. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Like, I feel like, uh, making music is just something that I want to say it comes naturally, but like, I've just been doing for, 20 odd years yeah at this point a lot of these questions are i want to say like they're so deeply rooted in how i live yeah on a day-to-day -day life that to try and answer them becomes really tricky yeah it's kind of inherent for you or implicit or intrinsic or whatever. Like it, you're not thinking about it. It's just, this is your makeup. The makeup of you yeah. is based on all of these past experiences and uh, approaches to, to life and work. And they're just coming out like uh, almost effortlessly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just like, like you've been doing this for. Ready to pop the question. The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. However long like 20 years 30 years are you saying <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean to out out you or <laughs> well if it's been 30 years that would be since i was 12 uh <laughs> if you're saying if you're saying this like i don't that's an interesting that's an interesting word to use because i don't know what you know in a sense i've been doing this since my cousin mm-hmm. first played me a beatles tape when i was like six years old and then yeah. that led me to be like, I'm going to read a lot about the Beatles and I'm going mm-hmm. to read interviews and I'm going to then subscribe to music and cultural magazines and read those. So I think I have been doing this and that's like before I was 10. So in a sense, I do, yeah. I do feel like I have been training or working on, I kind of knew what I liked. And so, yes, in a sense, yes, I agree with you. I think, uh, I have been doing this for, it's kind of scary to say that, but yeah, if, if you look at it that way, and I'm sure you would, would you agree? Like, do you remember what the first thing you heard was in terms of music and, and who played it for you? I feel like I remember, like, I want to say my first tape was President of the United States of America, but I think it was actually a Michael Jackson tape. But like, those are the two things that I first remember being like, oh, this is music. This is the thing that this is a thing that is separate from other things in the world. So you, you and I was probably like, yeah, so, six or seven or. Okay, so you're you've got I've got some years on you clearly because your first tape was inspired by the song Lump. <laughs> or no, is that what is was that what that song was called? I'm thinking of the Weird Al song Gump. Oh yeah, she, is it Lump? Is it yeah, called? she's no, Lump. I, da, 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 da. I think is I think that's what that, I think is it called Lump. <laughs> They had peaches and lump from that from that record. I think and, it was uh, lump. I okay, feel yeah. I feel bad that I don't remember what it's called, but I'm pretty sure it's lump. And then and then the Michael Jackson album was maybe dangerous. Probably dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're talking about like early to mid '90s, basically. Yeah. This is when you first got into it. Okay. Well, those things probably kind of conventional. A lot of melody, song structures, pop songs. Hmm. And then that got you into the underground. It's always, there's always something like that that's a gateway, isn't it? I think actually Weird Al might have, like, Weird Al was my first concert. So. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. I remember my mom driving me and my friend to go see Weird Al at this, at the, some stadium in Calgary. It was really cute. Are you from, are, are you from Alberta? I'm from Calgary, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Why didn't we talk? We didn't talk. I didn't know that. I live in Edmonton now. Oh, crap. <laughs> I lived in Guelph, Ontario for 20-odd years, and now I'm... Yeah, I just moved to Edmonton. Wow. Okay. How's Edmonton going? Well, I guess uh, I mean, you, you mentioned you haven't really had a chance to experience the wonder. I tried to right away 
connect mm-hmm. with some people I knew a little bit. And we, yeah, I did a one of the first podcasts I did here uh, ended with a jam session um, that we recorded uh, hastily and in a makeshift manner. And uh, with, uh, do you know, John Common and yep. Faith Healer? Oh, yeah. Actually yeah, so, went on tour with Faith Healer once. Oh, nice. Yeah, so, so I tried right away and then you know it's winter it's cold so we there's a lot of like let's just wait till things thaw out and then we can really explore things and then of course uh we don't have to get into why that didn't happen we already did <laughs> uh and similarly like you know you're in Quebec uh Alberta is right up there um in terms of yeah. cases so it is we're both in weird do you have a sense of why is it do you guys talk about why Quebec has been hit so hard this i actually haven't thought about it that much i mean like in my mind there are just going to be clear epicenters where the population density is bonkers but uh i'm still just like eventually almost everyone is gonna have this like the epicenters are just going to be the centers but it'll radiate out no but we when we when our country got going it was british columbia and now Mm -hmm. they're like third or fourth like they start they we were like oh god and then i think a cruise ship came back and people ended up in quebec and then it seemed to like you i don't this is isn't pointing fingers but as we're speaking like you're <laughs> are you blaming me i'm not blaming you specifically <laughs> it might be i feel like your mm. music might be the cure somehow um no i don't know why i said that but it's possible uh no i don't know it, i just i'm surprised because i don't really my friend in Saskatchewan is always like, why the hell is Alberta so high? Because the prairies mm-hmm. are generally low. Uh, and I said, I don't know. I know there's some meatpacking plant things and whatnot. So I just thought I'd throw the question towards towards you about Quebec. Quebec is now the Quebec is the highest, you know, it's the, the rate is the highest for mm-hmm. cases. So that's weird. Um, there's yeah, some, I wonder. You haven't thought about it. Not really. I mean, I feel like, Maybe part of it is like the the port city aspect, right? Where there's just like a lot of essential work. Like yeah, there's just, yeah. We can't we can't stop working. Yeah. Do you, do and you maybe it's the same in the same in Alberta where it's just like there's just so many things that happen that can't be put on or like can be put on hold but can't be put on hold. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do you? So you? When did you move to Quebec from Alberta? I've uh, been here 12 years. Yeah. And what drew you from... There seemed to be... That's around when uh, lots of people seem to move from Alberta to Quebec. I'm thinking of... Uh, 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 well, Cadence Weapon eventually, uh, Braids, Tops. Weren't there a bunch of people who moved to Montreal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, <laughs> Braids helped ship some of my stuff out here. Uh, yeah, around that time. So what what was going on? Why why did you all think there was a Montreal pop explosion for sure, a mm-hmm. music explosion, and and obviously within that also, I mean your record is on Constellation Records, which I consider Constellation to be maybe the first big lure for musicians like yourself. Uh, of course, not all of you ended up on Constellation, but uh, what was it? What was it about Quebec uh, that uh, drew you there? Oh, actually, I remember this exactly. Uh, I come here on tour with my band, uh, Jane Bay and the Dark Matter at the time. 
and hmm. I just loved the city. I stayed with a a friend whose apartment I ended up taking. Like I yeah, we drove out we drove across Canada. Montreal was like the city that I just fell in love with. And a year later I moved. And uh then I started going to school a year after that. It is pretty awesome. Do you miss Alberta at all? I miss the people. The yeah. cities itself I find not so much. But yeah. Take it I, easy. Take it easy. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm here now. I gotta do my best here. What are you doing to me? I love I love all of my friends that still live in Alberta. It's a great right. place. It's a great place for friends. So if you're from Calgary and and forgive me if this is out of left field, but did did you or do you know Chris Dadge? Yeah. Record store because Dadge. He is a big proponent of the kind of music. I would dare say that you make. Did you ever work with him or collaborate with him? Was his work in with Bug Incision was any of that uh, an influence on you? For sure, very formative shows. Uh, used to help run this venue called Emedia, and he would have late night freaky shows. Uh, my first experience with uh, Eve Jarvis, Jarvis, yeah. um, when he was still just like a. 17-year-old young buck guitarist. He's still a, a total freak. Um, <laughs> also, in, also in Montreal. Also in I Montreal, yeah. yeah. But he was he was half and half the entire time. So um, anyway, yeah, Chris Dad was just like a force to be reckoned with. I played in a band with him for a short while called Sandy Bridges. Hmm. Sort of like a super pop outfit. Uh but yeah. Sounds like a sounds like a sitcom star from the seventies. <laughs> kind of was, yeah. Don't miss Sandy Bridges on blah blah blah. Yeah. Okay. On NBC. Yeah. Well, that's okay, that's cool. Yeah. So there's sorry, every time when Eve was on this show, when Chad Van Galen was on this show, well Chad and Chris were both on the show. I feel like Chris's name just comes up whenever I talk to someone from Alberta. It's interesting. Yeah. It, yeah. If you were into music, you knew Chris Dadge. Chris Dadge yeah. was like a force in the scene. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask about your uh, music a bit more um, because there's a little explanation here from the Constellation Records website about uh, how you do what you do. But I want I wonder if you can expand upon it uh, and explain exactly how you make what you make. So the what I'm going to read here is using primarily in the box MIDI instruments, along with a handful of samples and field recordings. Third album is a through composed and atypically, but unfailingly expressive. Oh wait. Yeah. Did I read that right? Like rumative action painting and sound. I may have bungled reading words. I apologize. Or maybe there's a <laughs> word missing. Anyways, through composed and atypically, but unfailingly expressive. Oh yeah, like ruminative action, painting, and sound. So that's a that's a actually a very specific description of what you do. But what does that mean? How do you actually go about uh, making your music? I feel like it's it's way less exciting than that label. I mean, I love that description. I think it's great. But really, I just like sit down at a keyboard and hack at it until something good comes out. You know. <laughs> Well, why don't we just, uh, why don't we break it down? Like, what does in-the-box MIDI instrument mean? What is that? Oh, okay, so in-the-box refers to everything I make is 
digitally produced. Like I don't use any real instruments. I'm not recording a guitar into a sound card, you know, kind of thing. Got it. Got it. Okay. I I, I use a four octave MIDI keyboard, so I have to plug the keyboard into the sound card, and then it just gives information. Doesn't make any sounds on its own. And in Logic Pro, there's things called soft synths, and those soft synths work as basically synths. You know, mm, mm. they're the, the exact same thing as a normal synthesizer, except you can just like hot swap them out. So yeah, that's how I make my music. <laughs> but I, and, and you, I mean, like I, I understand you have a background in in jazz, and I guess I wonder, like. Uh, how did you start making music and learning about it? Do you have a primary instrument before you got into all of this synthesized stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to jazz school for electric bass. That was like a two-year program, and I've been playing bass since I was like 16. Okay. So that's like my, my real instrument. And <laughs> how did I get into it? I don't know. I just started recording just bass straight into my laptop. And then I would manipulate the bass. <laughs> it just it just interested you this idea of of sonically manipulating uh, something that yeah. is you know relatively acoustic, even an electric. Like yeah, you just wanted to muck it up, mess with the sound. Yeah, I think I got to a certain point where I realized like I could not uh, basically more or less I could. If given enough time and effort, you can make any sound sound like any other sound. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I was just like, okay, well, why not just use any sound? Like, why am I still trying to make guitar, bass, drum music when I could just make anything sound like anything? Does the independence and self-sufficiency of this expression appeal to you? The fact that you can kind of create, uh, you know band lands, uh, soundscapes uh, on your own, did that appeal to you? At first it didn't. At first I was just like, it didn't seem legitimate in a way, but then I just kept doing it. And I think that to go back to that community of people just telling me that this is good <laughs> is what makes people keep doing the weird things they want to do. Yeah that kind of community support of just playing a show and being like playing to five people and two of them coming up to you and telling you that they really liked it. That's uh, kind of all all you need. I want to go on a slight tangent here because as you're speaking, I'm just thinking about how many times I've interacted with El Barbara. Uh, And Mm -hmm. there were Guelph shows. Uh, There was a talk at Pop Montreal that Elle and I mm-hmm. did together that has been lost to history. I wasn't sent the recording. I wanted to use it for this podcast. Actually, I feel like they said they were going to send it to me, and then they ended up just putting it out themselves. But that's neither here nor there. My my thing is, have we been in the same rooms? Did you play in Guelph with El Barbara? Yeah, I must have. Yeah. Like, I was definitely on all... Oh, wait, wait. What was the band like at that time? I'm not Was sure. there a saxophone? Yes, the last time would have been like as part of the Kazoo Festival, I think. Or okay, yeah, I think I was there. Yeah, okay. So we've been in the. We may have. It's not. It's not in 
maybe interesting or important. I just, I'm trying to figure out, I feel like we probably have interacted briefly. Uh, we're in the yeah, same circles. I'm just trying to connect us. That's all. No, fair enough. That makes sense. Like we're, it's classic small Canada. Yes. Sort of, yes. <laughs> yes. If you know one musician, you know every single person in Canada. Yes. And I feel like I got the, you know of me a little bit. You you guessed at how long I've been doing things. You know of me a little. Yeah. I mean, like you're, you're OG. You're like <laughs> <laughs> college radio, <laughs> did put on your own festivals, DIY. Yeah. You're, you're, you're solid in my books. Uh, I appreciate that. No, I, I've tried my best to do what I can uh, with the time and uh, resources I have. And yes, yeah, so I appreciate the, the kindness there. And uh, all this to say, uh, yeah, this, uh, this record fascinates me. Uh, you fascinate me. I appreciate your outlooks on, on, on life and art. Um, I feel like we're, we're highly aligned, uh, in, in many yeah. ways. Um, were you planning to take this music on the road, uh, at some point? Uh, I know everything's more than up in the air. It feels definitively frozen as we're speaking, but, is that was that your plan to go out and take this out? Yeah, actually, I had a, a pl- tour planned in April that we had to cancel. Uh, I was going on the road with Nenin uh, and James Goddard solo skin tone. Okay, so uh, yeah, we're gonna do Ontario and then head out east, but that had to, you know, it's no longer possible. <laughs> right. So the the plan would be to somehow at some point take this on the road. Are you engaging in like the live streaming stuff at all? Have you thought about that? I'm not, I'm not at all. I feel kind of guilty about it, but it just doesn't feel the same to me. There's just something about it that doesn't sit right. Yeah. I'm kind of, I, 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 I can't watch them. I, I, yeah. I've watched a few of them and I've tried to interact when they were kind of starting. But again, as we're speaking, I'm just like, I can't, I don't know. It doesn't feel yeah the same. It's, it's it's not a show, you know. Yeah. A show is a place. Yeah, it's it's you interacting with other human beings live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, in terms of future plans or future work, what are you thinking about now? What are you up to? Oh man, I mean, like I feel like I was pretty lazy before, and I will continue to be pretty lazy. Uh, <laughs> I, I've, I don't know. I've been sitting around watching a lot of movies, watching TV, trying to work on tracks here and there. Uh, I've been trying to practice piano, which has been really nice. Uh, started meditating. I don't know. I'm, I, I really feel like everything is just on hold in this way that I'm, it's just a waiting game, you know? I will agree with you that there's a weird positive aspect to, the time that is freed up. Like I'm finally trying to learn how to play guitar. I'm Mm -hmm. finally rehabbing a shoulder that has been bothering me for years. And I just never remember to do the exercises that I was told to do. Yeah. There's like little glimmers of like, I can, I'm finally, it's, it's back to your poem. I feel like I'm learning about myself and my stupidity and uh, (laughs) laziness as you describe it, or just like, why have I been putting these things off? Well, can't just be capitalism (laughs) yeah i guess so yeah probably anyway i'm sorry that you're in a bit of uh stasis i suppose but i'm sure uh you'll be inspired it's it's really not that bad okay (laughs) 
obviously things could be worse for both of us. Um, yes. I'm trying to think of it that way. Okay. Well, for more information about third album, I assume people can go to cstrecords.com. Uh, do you have, um, a presence, uh, online that you want to point people to beyond that? Uh, no, CST Bandcamp, uh, you can check out this SoundCloud that has a lot of older stuff on it. Wouldn't recommend it, but yeah, CST is, uh, the place to find this music. And you made the, uh, album art too, which is very lovely and vibrant. Oh, thank you. Is painting, uh, this is a painting? This is a painting, yeah. I started painting like two-ish years ago and... Yeah. It's great. It's, it's been, almost it's almost I will say a face, but I don't think it is. What is what would you how would you characterize this uh, cover art? Yeah, it is almost a face. I don't know. I feel like I didn't really realize until afterwards, but it's kind of a portrait of my grandfather. Ah. Yeah. Very nice. It's re- really strange. It's one of those things where like I finished it and then a year later I'm like, "Oh, these are the exact same colors in this one picture I have of my grandpa. Oh. Anyway. Okay. Well, there's something going on there too then, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's lovely. I got to order this on on the full vinyl tip. <laughs> I just have a little digital thing, but I want this. I want to stare at this because it's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. You got to grip it, you know? Does it come with like a poster or something of it? Uh, There's a poster of a... Another painting. Oh, yeah. I see it here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's cool. Okay, yeah. So, cstrecords.com for more information about third album by Marcus uh, Floats. Marcus, is there a song or a piece uh, from uh, the record that we can play for people right now? Uh, Yeah, you can toss on And. That's a a really fun one, I think. And is the second uh, piece on the record. What would you like to say about it? Exactly. I feel like and is one of the most accessible songs on the record, I want to say. It's like digestible. There's like <laughs> notes that happen in a sequence and it makes sense. That's, well, spe- I don't know. Sp- that's fair. <laughs> but speaking speaking of the sequence, so when people look at the, when they read the track list, it's a, Sentiment, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's uh, about four may I, emotion. May I, re- yeah, may I read it? Yes, please. The track list is, uh, so it's, it's six tracks, and the track list reads as forward and forward again, always moving forward, always. So mm-hmm. a little, little poetic trick there that you've employed. <laughs> um, so when you say and, do you, do you view this album as, as, a, as a whole, uh, so to speak? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I feel like the process of this album was starting up, starting with (laughs) one song and working towards more songs. I mean, it sounds super dumb, but like, that's kind of what it comes down to. Like, yeah, I didn't articulate myself very well there. When I say when you see the album as a whole, maybe that's obvious. It's a whole album, but could this have just as easily have been one long piece? No, that's. The, I think that's the thing. That's the, okay. the crux is that it couldn't have. Like okay. these pieces happened over probably like a year and a half. I see. You know? Okay. Okay. I mean, I know they're dynamic and 
distinctive uh, from one another. It's just when I think of the context of the track listing, it feels like one through sentiment. Yeah, I I feel like that's it's like a confusing kind of a duality where it's like it is a single sentiment, but it's a single sentiment expressed over time. It's yeah. about yeah a progression, but not necessarily towards anything. You know, like you just keep doing things, and eventually you have a bigger thing than the individual things you were doing. It's just exactly like what life is. I feel like is what you're saying. Yeah. That's, that's, and we really, these kinds of notions are really being uh, brought to our attention, you know, given more credence as we live through this thing together. So, um, you know, what's important and what does it all mean? Uh, Yeah. It's lovely for what it's worth. I think it's all very lovely. Oh, thank you very much. It's very kind. You're welcome. Okay. Well, this is uh, and, by Marcus Floats. And uh, as I say, Marcus, thank you for this time. Uh, thank you for making this music. And I wish you the best of luck uh, going forward. And I hope we speak again soon. Yeah, thank you. This has been uh, an excellent experience. And I hope you keep doing what you're doing.
Thank you very much for listening to Marcus Floats on this, the 543rd episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all Apple and Google platforms and lots of other things, too. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for because you've heard about it and you're just like, where is it? I can't find it. Or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my semi-regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative or follow me directly at Vishkana. Also visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. It's very much appreciated. Go to patreon.com slash creative control today and support this show. Thanks again to live at MasseyHall.com. Uh, where you can watch uh, beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists. Also, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts for their in-kind support for this show. Uh, thanks, as always, to my uh, good friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some of his music on this show. Uh, you can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And last but not least, thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and subscribing to it or following it, however you do. I hope you're doing well out there, uh, given what's going on, or as well as you can be, really. Uh, And uh, that, uh, yeah, you hang in there. Uh, Keep your spirits up. Um, I'm just going to make more of these shows, if that helps. I don't know if it will, but um, that's what I'm doing. So I'll be back soon. I will talk to you then. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.